There's a story that goes back a few years about a 10-year-old girl named Tilly Smith. And Tilly and her family had taken a vacation from Great Britain to Thailand. And they were at this wonderful hotel that was right on the beach. And what they were doing every day, of course, is going out and enjoying the beach, enjoying the weather, enjoying this time to uh, a vacation to get renewed and restored. And while she was on the beach, all of a sudden, she noticed something. And she began to scream to everybody, tsunami, tsunami, a tidal wave is coming. Well, everybody just kind of looked at her. She's 10 years old. What does she know? And her dad said, honey, what, why do you think there's a, a tsunami coming? And she said, because we just studied that in school a couple weeks ago. And when waves are not coming in, but where they're just going out, it's a sign that there's a tidal wave coming. And he noticed the same thing. So he took his 10-year-old daughter, they ran to the hotel, found a security man, and explained to him the situation. He ran back to the beach, he uh, got everybody off the beach, everybody into the hotel, they went up a number of, of floors to an area where they had a lobby higher up in the hotel. And indeed, not long after, a tsunami hit Thailand. Almost a quarter of a million people were killed by that tidal wave. Nobody on the beach that day at that hotel was killed. Why? Because they heeded the warning. They heard the warning and they responded. They listened. And they did what they had to do in order to stay well. This morning in 1 John, as we continue our summer series, what we're going to see today is that God is going to bring us two warnings in this passage. And in these two warnings, he's going to help us to understand the reality of the world that we are living in. And he's going to say to us, beware, be careful. This is a warning. Here's the reality of your circumstances. And if you do not respond with wisdom, you will be caught up in a way that will bring destruction to your life. This is a passage for each and every one of us, whether young or old. These are things that we're going to be warned about this morning that we've already fallen prey to in many different areas. It was so good for me this week to look at this passage, lay my life before it, and realize, wow, here are some areas where I have not heeded this warning. So if you have your Bibles with you, I am going to be reading from 1 John in chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. And I'm going to read until verse 27. So I invite you to hear the first warning, and then the second warning begins in verse 18. Here's the first one. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but comes from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. 
This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that you have as for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. Boy, that's a challenge, isn't it? Make sure that that which you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. This is an extraordinary passage. As I mentioned, it has two great warnings for us, things that we need to beware of. Now, as we go through this, I want to encourage you to allow this today to just be the beginning for you of really wrestling with what it is that John is talking about in this passage. There is so much here for us to, to listen to, so much here for us to process, so much here for us to consider. Here's the first thing that I want you to see, and it is beware. Beware of what? Beware that of loving the world. Beware of loving the world. I'll say more about the rest of this point in just a moment. Listen to what we read. Do not love the world, <clears throat> excuse me, or anything in the world. Now, what does he mean by world? He is not talking, first of all, about the things that God has created. He's not talking about the mountains and the seas and the forests and the land and the rivers and the oceans. He's not talking about that which is physical of the world. He's not talking about the things that God has created, for when God created, what did he say? He said, it is good. So he's not talking about that. He's also not talking about people. We read in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So Jesus isn't talking about the physical world that he's created. God's not talking here about people. So what is he talking about? He's talking about the systems of belief. He's talking about the things that we believe are true. He's talking about the things that we invest our lives in that have nothing to do with the truth of God's word. There are systems of evil in our world. In just a few minutes, I'm going to identify a few of them. But it says here, uh, we're warned not to love the world, which is defined as its demonic ideology resulting in action, in how we live our lives. 
Friends, we invest ourselves in things that are not true, and we are bombarded each and every day by these false ideologies, these false beliefs, these things that are not true. I, uh, there's a great passage in Colossians chapter 2, verse 1, where Paul warns us very, in a very similar manner not to fall prey to the false philosophies of our age. Many years ago, I began to wrestle with what that means in my own life, and I began to identify all sorts of things that go all the way back to my childhood. Things that I just believed were true. For example, I'm not safe and secure unless I have enough stuff in this world. That is not true. We believe all sorts of things. Commercials, advertisements are trying to get us to buy things by appealing to what we're going to see in a moment is our basic flesh, our sinful nature. These are ideologies that come not from God. These are philosophies that come not from God. These are worldviews that come not from God, but they come from the evil one who wants to destroy our faith, who wants us to live in a crippled spiritual manner. And so what he's saying here is that we need to be aware, we need to identify these things. I've identified quite a few in my own life. I realized a number of years ago that what was ultimately most important to me is that life would be safe and secure. And so I made decisions in this world based not on God's truth, but on what would make my life easy, safe, and secure. That is exactly what John is talking about. It's a false, it's a false belief. Now, Ultimately, everything you do can be traced back to what it is you believe. Everything you choose to do in this world can be traced back to something that you believe. And so when I do something I shouldn't do or fail to do something I should do, I look back and I say, okay, what is it that led me to that decision? Because I want to know what it is, and if it's not of God, I want to deal with it in my life. Beware, he says, of, of loving the world. Loving the world means loving its, the things it tries to get us to believe, the things that it tries to get us to do that are contrary to the truth of God's word. So let's read the passage. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. You can't love, as it's, Jesus said, you can't love God and money at the same time. You're going to serve one or the other. You can't serve both. Now, we are on a daily basis inspired and encouraged to love money because money gives us status. Money gives us the things that we think we want to be happy. Money provides the things that we believe is going to solve all of our problems. But then you, it comes from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Let's look at those. The lust of the flesh, what is that? These are the desires that God has given us, the potential to have desires. The purpose of those desires is that we would desire God. And we would desire the things that God wants for us. We would desire the things that God wants for us. That's what 
that's why he's given us passion and desire. Because it's to lead us to him. It's to lead us to live a life that's marked by obedience to him. But Satan knows how to mess with those desires and we begin to desire things that we shouldn't desire. Now there are lots of examples of that. I've mentioned money. Sexual immorality is a big issue in our culture today. One of the beliefs of our culture is simply this. If, you, if you're in a loving relationship, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you love each other. That is not biblical truth. And the world has lots of ways to telling you this is how you fill it, this is how you fill it, this is how you fill it, and it's not true. And it leaves us empty and here as time goes on. And so what do we see in the Garden of Eden? We see that the woman saw the fruit of the tree, the lust of the eyes. She says, she saw that it was good for eating, it was pleasant, it was favorable for eating, for consuming, lust of the flesh. And then she said, she fell prey to the false belief, the lie, that God didn't want her to eat the fruit of that tree because he knew that if she ate the fruit of the tree, her eyes would be open, knowing good from e and evil, and she would be like God. You see that? She would be like God. The lust of the flesh that draws us and the lust of the eyes that draws us to the pride of life. She wanted to be like God. You see, we're like that often as Americans. Nobody's going to tell us what to do. Even God, he's not going to tell us what to do. We're going to decide what we're going to do. And so we read on. And we see, um, whoop. We see the next point, and this is the, the motivation, John says. The motivation for not loving the world is that these things are going to pass away. These false beliefs, these philosophies of the world, these this false um, worldview, all those things are going away. All that matters is the kingdom of God. John says, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Man, that's it, right there. Why would we ever succumb to any of these lies when God has so much for us? Now, eternal life, remember, does not mean, does not begin the moment I die. Eternal life begins the moment I believe. And God, by his spirit, makes his home in my life. And now I have fellowship with the living God each and every day, each and every moment of each and every day. I'm his child now and forevermore. I know his strength. I know his wisdom. I know his perspective. I know his hope. I know his love. I know his mercy. I know his kindness. I know the power of his healing touch. All of that begins the moment I believe. And what the world off offers pales in comparison to what God offers. So here's, that's the first warning. Here's the second warning. And the second warning is simply this. Beware of the Antichrist. Beware of the Antichrist. Listen to what John says. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is what, how we know that it's the last hour. Now, there are two periods of time before Jesus, before Jesus 
and then after his second coming. So when he says we're in the last hour, we're in the last hour. Jesus can come at any time. Jesus will return, he said himself, like a thief in the night when we least are expecting it, when we're least prepared for it. So he mentions here two Antichrist, the Antichrist. What is that? Well, if you turn back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1 to 4, what you read is a little explanation of this Antichrist that will come before Jesus returns. Listen to what we read. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him. That's his second, his second coming. When we will be gathered to him, all who have been faithful, and are being gathered to him. We ask you, brothers and sisters, to not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us. There, was, there were false teaching about this time whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. So there was this false teaching at the time of Jesus that Jesus had already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness. That's who John is talking about here in the Antichrist. The man of lawlessness will precede the return of Jesus. And he says this, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. That's the Antichrist that he's talking about here. But here's what we need to know. Every age will have Antichrist. Every age will have antichrists. Every age. We have antichrists today. There were those many in the first century. What's an antichrist? It's somebody who claims to be a believer who leads others down the wrong path. A path of their own choosing. Every age has them. And we need to understand as Americans that there are beliefs, false philosophies, false worldviews that are contrary to the word of God and the truth of God that will lead you away from Christ. And we need to be alert and aware of this reality. And John is warning us of this. Now, he's going to talk about who these people are. Number one, we can identify them because they come out of the church. They come from the church. I remember when I was in Grand Rapids, Michigan, we had uh, a wonderful church up in South Grand Rapids that planted a church. And that pastor started well, but it wasn't long. And I'm not going to give you his name. Chances are many of you have heard of him. And it wasn't long where he began to just move further and further and further away from biblical truth. A friend of mine was, edit, uh, was asked to step in on one of his books that Zondervan was publishing because they started to feel uneasy with it. And my friend sat down with this pastor and said, this is dangerous teaching. This is not biblical. This is not truth. Later on, and it wasn't but a few years later, he began to deny heaven and hell and all sorts of 
of classical Christian beliefs that come straight out of the Word of God. Every age has them. So what at this time in, in Paul's life and John's life in his first century setting, what were some of those false teachings and false beliefs? Well, let me give you just a couple of them. I'm not going to go into them because they're not as prevalent today. But one was Gnosticism. Gnosticism is the belief that we have secret information that goes beyond what Jesus taught. One of those one aspect of that is that all matter is evil. And so it had all these things about it. It was very common at the time of John. Paul, in the book of Colossians, he's writing against Gnosticism. Another, another false belief of that day was Docetism. And here's what that is. It taught that Jesus only appeared to be human, but he actually wasn't human. He actually wasn't human. And it denied the humanity of Jesus. Well, friends, if we deny the humanity of Jesus, then we have no hope. For Jesus stood in our place on the cross, and he could do that because he was like us. Fully man, at the same time, fully God. We don't deny that, because to deny that is to, not, to deny biblical truth and the reality who, of who Jesus really is. Another common issue in the first century was uh, Jew, uh, Jewish legalism. Many of the people who embraced Jesus early on, they came out of the Jewish tradition. And what they were trying to do was to draw Christianity back into many of the practices, legalistic practices of Judaism. And John and Paul, particularly Paul, wrote strongly against that. That's the book of Galatians. These are things that the church has already resolved in there because of the reality of what was going on in their world. Well, let me share with you just a few things that are happening in our world today that we need to be aware of as Christians in our world today. And there was a study a few years ago done by, conducted by Barna, who's a research organization, and they took basic foundational Christian truth and then they mixed in with it beliefs of other religions that are contrary to biblical truth. And they had people who go to church on a regular basis, are committed Christians, and they had them, uh, as they read the questions, what do you believe, what do you not believe? And here's what they found. Only 17%... 17 out of every 100 had a biblical worldview. Everybody else had a worldview that was mixed with all sorts of things that have come out of our world that are not true. And their beliefs, instead of being solidly biblical of, these, of the other, what, 83%, they had a mix of all different kinds of things. And so Barna took that, and here's what they found. They, called, they, they had different titles for these false beliefs. One was what they called new spirituality. Here's what they found. 30% of all these people who claim to be, who go to church, are Christians, 30% believe all people pray to the same God no matter what name they use for that God. That's not true. We just sang a song, His name. 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Muslims who pray to Allah are not praying to my God of the scriptures. That's not true. And so 30% of the people who were part of this study believed that if you pray, anybody praying to any God of any name was praying to the same God. 32% believe in karma. Karma is connected to Hinduism. Karma is, well, if you do good things, good things will happen to you, right? If you do bad things, bad things will happen to you. That is not biblical. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. The Bible says that we will suffer in this world because we stand for Jesus. And the values that are dominated by Satan, that are driven by Satan, are contrary to the ways of God, so the world will hate us when we expose the light, use the light to expose the lies of these worldviews. The second category was materialism. I don't think I have to convince you of that. Materialism is a huge issue in our culture, where we want things, and we will compromise our Christian faith in order to get the things that this world offers us. A third area was postmodernism. And one of the characteristics of postmodernism is that there is no objectivity, there is no ultimate right or wrong. Each person decides what is right and wrong for themselves. There is ultimate truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is found in Christ. Ultimate truth finds its meaning in him. And we don't believe as Christians things that are contrary to what he teaches. 25% of those, one out of every four of those committed Christians, agreed with the statement, what is morally right or wrong to do is determined by each person. I'm sorry, but that's not true. God has given clarity in his word about how we are to live life and how we are not to live life. Uh, the last category, which was interesting, was Marxism. Marxism. And we see Marxism rising in our American culture. And they found that there were tenets of Marxism that are contrary to Scripture. I'm not talking about socialism, I'm talking about Marxism. And Marxism itself opposes, at the very foundation, opposes religion of any kind. Of any kind. So here they found that we have drifted, as Christians, we've drifted along with the current of our day. Yesterday I was in the ocean and they had the red flag out because of the strong currents. And so I was going out to boogie board and, um, and I get in the water and it's like five minutes later I'm three uh, lifeguard stations down the beach. I mean it just whoosh. And it struck me as that happened, this is exactly what John is warning us about is that we live in a world where there's a strong cultural current and we get caught up in that current and we get swept by and, uh, and by the time we realize there's a problem, we look up and we're three lifeguard stations down the beach. We've been swept away. I've just got a few minutes, so I'm going to really rush through the rest of this. Okay? 
I want you to see this. They deny the tenets of the Christian faith. He's talking about the characteristics of Antichrist. They deny the tenets, the basic tenets of the Christian faith. Why do we sing the songs that we did this morning? Because they remind us of what is true. These are biblical. These are biblical. Listen to what it says. Who is the liar? Who's the one pushing false things? It's whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Christ, if you're not familiar with that word, that wasn't his last name. Christ means Messiah. It's the New Testament word for Messiah. He's the promised one. He is the one that we waited for. He is the one that came. And he is the one that's coming again. Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist if they deny that. Denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. It's the same way, the same words essentially that Jesus said when he said he's the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he goes on, they try to confuse Christians. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to what? What does it say? Lead you astray. The intent is to lead you astray. The intent is to make you a slave to that which is false. The intent is to pull you and drag you away from Jesus, and you don't even realize it. So I want to close with this. He gives also the characteristics of those who remain faithful, those who are Christians. Number one, Christians know the truth. But you have an anointing. An anointing had to do with ointment or oil. But in the context here, it's refer- and it all had all sorts of healing properties. What he's talking about here is the Holy Spirit. You have an anointing. You receive the Holy Spirit. You have an anointing from the Holy One, the Holy Spirit. And all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. See, the anointing of the Spirit is upon you. You receive the Holy Spirit and He will lead you into truth. You have that anointing. He goes on to say, you don't need anybody to teach you. Because the Holy Spirit will teach you all things that are true. When we remain in Him, when we do not allow ourselves to be moved down the beach, when we do not allow ourselves to be caught up in false teaching, when we do not allow ourselves to be swept by the current, we know the truth. We recognize the truth. And that anointing is in us. He says they remain in God. This is a big emphasis. He says to know the truth means to remain in him. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. You do not need anyone to teach you. Now, I don't have time to do this, but if you go back to Jeremiah 31, as Jeremiah is looking forward to the coming of Jesus, he says, in that day, this day, the day since Pentecost, the day when the Holy Spirit came upon the church, from that day forward, you will not need anyone to teach you, for he will teach you, for he is in you. Amazing, isn't it? Hundreds of years before Jesus came, hundreds of years before we would receive the Holy Spirit. He says, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, what he, the truth he gives us is real, it's not counterfeit. Just 
as it has taught you, remain in him. How do you remain in Jesus? You spend time with him. You pray. You grow. You learn. You read the scriptures, and you read the scriptures, and you apply the scriptures. And you live out your life in light of his truth. They remain faithful. As for you, see what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. Again, he says it. See what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised. What's the blessing of that? Eternal life which begins today. Today. Friends, this is an amazing passage. And my purpose today was to just give you an opportunity to begin to, to begin to look at this truth. There's so much more here. And I would encourage you, the daily reading for today is this very passage. For you to go deeper and see what the Spirit reveals to you. And what I always ask is, God, what am I believing that I shouldn't believe? Reveal it to me that I may be set free. Will you pray with me? Our Father, thank you for your truth. Indeed, it's your truth that sets your people free. Lord, we thank you for who you are. You're the God who heals. You're the God who restores. You're the God who leads us to life. And Lord, forgive us that we try to fill our hearts and our lives with things that ultimately are false. They're counterfeit. When we run to the bottle or to drugs to, or to shopping to, or eating to food or whatever to, to um, help ourselves during a time when we're discouraged, Lord, we're running to that which is counterfeit. Only you, Lord, can lead us into truth. Only you, Lord, can feed us what we need to be fed. Only you, Lord, can touch our lives and bring life. Oh God, I pray that for any here today that are just being swept by the current of our world today, I pray, Lord, that they would see it by the anointing that you, uh, of your presence in their lives. And Lord, that you would draw them back to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.